Hello and welcome back to the Couple's Guide to Stranger Things podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm still Tom. <laughs> and, and we are just a couple of super fans who met through our love of Stranger Things. In today's episode, we have just finished Chapter 5, The Flea and the Acrobat. Shall we dive in? I haven't got anything funny to say anymore. Let's I, go. I was going to say, like the flea, dived into the upside down. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Before we do start, though, while it's still the 15th of February, happy birthday, Matt and Ross. Happy birthday, Duffer Brothers. <laughs> Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you to your parents for having you. <laughs> because without them, we wouldn't have a chapter five to be talking about. Absolutely. So my first thing really to say would be, what did you think of the episode overall? It's another one that really shows the personality behind Mike and Lucas, I think. Yeah. Is what comes to me first. Um in their different views on Elle. Because obviously we know Elle is screwing with the compasses because she yes. knows that gate is dangerous. Yeah. But like you said earlier, it's a shame she didn't explain it. But the thing is, one, she doesn't have the words at the moment. She, I don't think she could quite get across if she wanted to. Yeah. But second of all, I'm sure she knows full well that these boys would not listen to a word she says in no. terms of it being dangerous. I'm sure when Mike would believe her 100% but would that stop him not a chance yeah and I mean to give context this is about the scene in Mike's basement when they are talking about obviously they've just heard Will on the um, radio and they're trying to understand where he is and then they get well Mike really gets helped by Elle saying upside down yeah well there's that um, the argument wise I was thinking was once they're out on the rail tracks yeah. and such and obviously we'll talk about it later obviously as we start going through the episode but the moment she ends up throwing him across the uh, ground yeah, you know you've got it's like I say love makes you crazy yes. and uh, this is the first time we really see that happening to Mike absolutely and I mean for me the overall of this episode is that it's very fast-paced. Like, a lot happens in this episode. Yeah, I think it's the first episode that really picks up the pace like that, isn't it? Yeah, I agree, because I was trying to think of my wording about that, because I didn't want to say the rest of the episodes so far have been slow, because they haven't been. No, but they've been more focused on their sort of part of the show, I guess. Yeah, and like this episode, people's individual stories start coming into play because obviously we've got Elle's individual story then we've got the boys trying to find Will then we've got you know the scenes with Lonnie and Joyce but then you've got Joyce's scenes with Hopper and then you've got Hopper and then you've got Jonathan and Nancy even a bit of Steve like everyone's really starting to split off and they're all getting to almost like pivotal moments in their individual stories yeah, exactly. Because obviously we see Hopper... It starts with Hopper breaking into the lab. Yeah. So, you know, we see him sort of being who he is, in a sense, of breaking into that lab, truly thinking they've kidnapped and hidden Will. Yeah. And I mean, you can't blame him. Yeah, and then he comes across Elle's room 
obviously at the moment thinking Will's been kept there because yeah. he sees that photograph with, you know, the child with very, very short hair and it obviously says Papa on it, which that's a bit the strange. Yeah, 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 the drawing. Yeah. And another one for me is the lion teddy because it always throws me because Elle's got this lion teddy. Will has got a lion teddy that we see in Castle Byers. And then later on in the series, we see that Sarah Hopper's daughter had a lion teddy. And I just wonder, was there a reason? Like, were they trying to do something there? I wonder, yeah. Like, give them a connection. And this is why later on in scenes, I was convinced that Sarah was like a subject. Yeah. That she didn't actually die, you know, that they just covered it up just as easily as they covered up Will. Um, Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know. They just seemed to have a connection. It was very, very odd. But I don't know if it was just a symbolisation of them being brave. Either that or another... Well, to be honest, Will's possession of one of these doesn't come into this, but I had a feeling it was sort of hinting back at why Hopper is taking this so seriously now. Because it's constantly reminding him of Sarah. Yeah. You know, the fact that he couldn't do anything to save her. Yeah. So here he is now trying to do everything in his power to save Will. That's very true. And from you saying that, it also made me think it kind of humanises the situation. There's a soft toy. And like you said, if it reminds me of Sarah's as well, like that's a shocking reminder that in this really clinical, hidden away place, that there's been at least one child kept. Yeah, exactly. And that and there's no denying that? No, exactly. There's been a child kept to have this lion. Yeah. But as well as that, that drawing yeah. looks very depressing. It does. And it's just... Oh, I can't even imagine what's going through his head at this point. Let alone before he sees the gate, which is like... It's own living organism you know breathing it's living growling it's crazy it is yeah exactly it's made out of vines it's spreading into our world yeah and yeah that i'm pretty sure his words pretty much represent exactly what you'd all think yeah coming across a gate like that i'm pretty sure he just says what the hell (laughs) well i'm not sure if, if he says it then or if he says it when he sees joyce's lights (laughs) But we'll get back to that one later. (laughs) But so really, yeah, what's happening here with Hopper, at the same time, we've got the boys, like we're saying, getting the concept of the upside down. And as um, Dustin calls it, the veil of shadows, which is the different dimension. And they're talking about that while you see Hopper walking towards the gate and you can see the, um, I don't know what you call it, but the particles in the air. Uh, the spores that's it yeah um which is a really nice montage because they're kind of explaining what hopper's currently experiencing sort of yeah he's experiencing it spreading into our world yeah and and like i said to you when we watched when we just watched this episode like people need to be more like children yeah like have your mind open to every possibility yeah exactly because that's it. As as a child, you're willing to believe anything's possible. Yeah. Um. You you know you're not closed off. Yeah. And then you get to adulthood, and someone says, "Oh, 
yeah, these lights, they're lighting up as my child in an alternate universe is running around them. And like, okay, I'm going to go call a mental asylum now. <laughs> well, this is it, isn't it? Like, we both hated to admit this, but at the beginning of the episode, the way Lonnie reacts to what Joyce is doing is unfortunately... <laughs> Um, a very normal reaction that exactly. most of us would have. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, he is saying exactly what Hopper has said in mm. previous episodes, what Jonathan has said as yeah. well. That all of this is in Joyce's mind, generated by pure grief. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully we've never lost a son. No. So we don't know what that kind of grief would do to you, but... I'm sure it would drive you insane. Oh, definitely. That's it. I actually think it's quite realistic for grief. Yeah. And, yeah, so I absolutely hated to admit that at the beginning of the episode, we we did agree with him. You well, know. It, that's it. Obviously, we know he's wrong. Yes. So we're not exactly saying we're agreeing with him, but we understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we can't blame him for what he's saying because from an outsider's point of view... Yeah. Everything he's saying is spot on. I just wish at that point, though, you know when Jonathan asks to have a word with him, I wish he'd said, like, Mom, can I have a word with you? Alone. Instead of yeah, Ronnie, yeah. But... Just to try and say, you know, listen, I, you're right. You're right. You, you know, you, you, we, that's it. we understand that. He, We've he seen it. He kind of it starts to explain but he does it in front of Lonnie, so Lonnie shuts him down. Yeah. But then I, I do suppose potentially, again he would have been shot down because he always seems to be shot down by Lonnie. You yeah, know, I don't think Lonnie would have let them walk away. No, he'd have been own. like, no, your mother's too tired, this can wait. Or something like, uh, something like that, I'm sure exactly. he would have done. Exactly, he's walked back into this house and is acting as if he owns the place, as if he never left. Yeah. You know, first of all, talking to Jonathan as if he's his dad, which, let's be fair, he's not. No. And then, <laughs> I mean... Fair enough. If this was, again, from an outsider's point of view, yeah, you would be like, listen, leave your mother alone. She's going crazy as it is. Yeah. Stop trying to fuel it. But then to say, take that poster down, it's inappropriate. It's like, who the hell do you think you are? I know, suddenly he's parenting him. Yeah, it's like, okay, so you're a deadbeat low life who hasn't been in my life for God knows how many years it is at this point. Suddenly you're back acting as if you've been here all this time. Yeah, that you run the household. Get lost. It's a complete control thing, isn't it? it yeah, it's that assumption that I'm the man of the house, I own the place. Yeah, definitely. Just, just get out. And what frustrates me is that as we move on to the funeral scene, I I really don't understand this. Everyone is like going up to Lonnie and consoling him, but no one does that to Joyce. Yeah. It just it disgusts me to be honest. Me too, because are these people so dense that they can't see through Lonnie? Surely, like, if where's they know he been? Anyth- well, thank you. If if they know anything about the buyer's family, they know he hasn't been in their life for years. But it reminds me of the time when Hopper is interviewing that customer at Benny's about the kid that they saw yes. stealing from Benny and. As soon as he sees the picture of Will, he's like, no, that's Lonnie's missing kid. Yeah. It's like, he's 
barely a father. How dare you call him Lonnie's kid? Yeah. Joyce's kid, thank you very much. My kind of assumption is that Lonnie was probably a villain behind closed doors. Yeah. He's that kind of personality. Exactly. And Joyce probably got the strength in the end to get rid of him, but Lonnie probably told everyone, you know, she's chucked me out, I'm heartbroken, you know, really played the victim, possibly. Yeah, I'm just going to start hanging around with young girls Yeah. constantly yeah. just to fill the void. Or maybe even said to people that Joyce is crazy because they do seem to give her a bit of a wide berth. And they I mean, do, even yeah, like I was going to say like that. The police officers like say, you know, oh, he, M. Hop has been spending too much time with Joyce Byers. They've all got this impression that she is crazy. Well, so did Hopper at the start. Yeah, and that's it. And that seems to be even before Will has even gone missing, that they have that interpretation of her. But again, another point where it frustrates me, again for Joyce, is that Nancy says to Jonathan, we should tell your mom. Yeah, and she's the first and only person to say those words, yes. as far as I know. And yeah. Like I said straight away, thank you, Nancy, Absolutely. for being the one sane person at the moment, thinking the most important person who needs to know needs to know yeah and i know jonathan says you know well you know i'll tell her when we've killed it but the thing is i can actually imagine um that joyce would be like you idiot that could have led us to will or you know like yeah exactly it could have got us to will or it could it, it, it really could kill you yeah yeah and then what the hell am i supposed to do now i've lost both of my sons yeah exactly so might as well take me next yeah, she wouldn't be very impressed, let's just say. No, not in the slightest. So yeah, maybe it's a good thing that she that she's not told, actually, because that might have uh, shortened that bit of the storyline. <laughs> shortened the life cycle, I'm sure. Yeah. And obviously we've got The Wake, and it sounds weird to say that one of the best scenes is at The Wake. <laughs> yeah. But that's obviously with Mr. Clark. And exactly. given the analogy to the boys of the flea and the acrobat. That's it. The boys know that Will's alive. Yeah. So they're not upset at this point. No. But it's like when they come up to Mr. Clark, ask, well, saying they need, they've got a few questions. I'm sure he's thinking, oh, right, okay. So they want to know if there's an afterlife. Yeah, they is there know. a heaven, Mr. Clark? Yeah, they want to know where Will's gone. And then suddenly they're talking about the Veil of Shadows and how to get there. It is, it's quite comical, isn't it? Yeah. Because you can kind of see the the kind of solemn look on Mr. Clark's face and, and the sympathy. Yeah, And he's like, exactly. yes, yes, but... And I'm sure when they first start talking about it, he's confused. Yeah. But then it takes about maybe two seconds if that for the inner kid inside Mr. Clark to come out definitely but and I also think it's a case of him like whatever helps them whatever I imagine helps so them to I was going to say the same it's probably a case where he's thinking okay they're grieving they're just trying to fill their mind with something else yeah but but I do agree with you you can see he's that, that little Mike Wheeler in him that little Dustin yeah. in him just coming out and he's like okay okay exactly because he immediately knew what the Veil of Shadows was so clearly he's played Dungeons and Dragons yeah definitely and actually speaking of the Veil of Shadows I think Dustin really shines in this episode 
Because, like, yeah. so far, I don't think he's really had that many moments where you see how intelligent Dustin is. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And this episode, he is, like... Like, the compasses, you know, that's him who who realises that the compasses are not pointing true north and that following them could lead to the gate. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then that moment, Lucas and Mike like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> especially Mike, I think it makes him look a bit stupid. Yeah. I feel like Mike would get the point. Well, I actually thought that Lucas would get the point because, like, he's he's such a ranger, isn't he? Like, he comes with that bag with the wrist rocket. He comes with, like, everything. I would have thought he would probably be the best yeah. person with a compass. Yeah, he's not the one bringing sweets. No, exactly. <laughs> so, that, so it does show, like, Dustin's intelligence in this episode, definitely. definitely. Yeah, and that's it. And, yeah, I don't agree with how clueless the other two seemed at this, but... Again, I get it. It's like they're not thinking right then about what Mr. Clark was saying about this theoretical gate yeah. being such a powerhouse and affecting the world no. in that way. And then, yeah, I don't know why Dustin was looking at a compass at that point. Yeah. But I guess maybe you could sort of imagine Mr. Clark's words were echoing in his mind. Definitely. You can see he's... He's starting to knit, knit it together and figure it out. Yeah. And it just makes me sad, though, in that scene that Elle doesn't tell them then and there when they ask her if she knows where the gate is. Yeah. I wish she didn't... I wish she had said, sorry, that it's not safe and explained yeah. why. And I know you'd said it probably wouldn't change anything. No. Because that's it. You can see how scared she is. She's yeah. now panicking because they are figuring this out. Um, and you know like I say first of all again maybe she just can't quite form the words at the moment but as well as that I genuinely think she knows that she would not be able to change their mind and I think as well it's because she probably doesn't want to incriminate herself oh definitely I mean there's no way to for her to really explain how she knows it's not safe without without getting involved yeah and without admitting that she's seen it yeah. And if, well, worst case, saying that she created it, yes, accidentally, but. Yeah, and. and I know later on she does admit that in the uh, quarry scene. That uh, also important quarry scene. But yeah, it it's hard watching her panic like that. And if anything, I wonder as well if she's thinking, saying it's dangerous, not yeah. safe. And probably push them a bit more, because they'd probably be like, "Well, we need to get Will out of there then." Yeah, you're right. To be honest, they probably would, um, and they do have that kind of childish innocence as well. Yeah, you know, I... like how Justin, like we said, had the sweets. Yeah, that's it. A childish innocence of thinking that they can be the ones to make the difference. Yeah, and get him out of there. But as well as that, that naivety of, again, thinking that they can make it. Yeah, that they'd be able to do it all on their own. Exactly. Um, And don't get me wrong, you know, they're smart boys and we see them do a hell of a lot over all of the series. Yeah. But it's not without an army, if you know what I mean. Exactly. It's not without the the input of of others. Exactly, that's it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how smart you are. 
that demogorgon's got much longer legs and a lot more yeah. stamina. And they're only tiny. Exactly. In this season, they're so small. <laughs> exactly. That demogorgon's going to have no problem catching you. Yeah. And then you're done. And this is it. Like, the junkyard scene, it's hard to talk about for us because, obviously, we are such big fans of Elle and of Mike and of all of them, but it's just a really difficult scene because... The things Lucas is saying, you know, when he calls Elle the monster and her yeah. just broke her broken hearted face. Yeah, exactly. Because she knows she opened the gates, so she does think she's the monster. She yeah. says those words. I think it's, I can't remember his next episode that she saves Mike from the quarry, but she says it straight after that. Yeah. That she's the monster. She opened the gate. But, yeah. At the same time, as much as I've said in the past, this is the season I wanted to punch Lucas in the face <laughs> for the way he treats Elle. Right now, you can understand to an extent where he's coming from because all he wants to do is find Will. Yeah. And he's starting to see that Elle clearly knows where this gate is. Yeah. And yet she doesn't want to take them there. And again... The annoying thing is is that they're not willing to listen to the fact that it's dangerous and she is just doing her best to keep you guys safe. Yeah. Because that's it. Yes, Will's gone. But if you go to the gate, you're gone too. Yeah. That's what's in her mind is if I take you to the gate, you're, you're dead. That's it. And I think... I do think that he didn't need to be as argumentative as he is in that scene. Definitely not. He was way you know, too harsh. Because Dustin could have felt just as angry and so could have Mike. But, so I do I do hold that against him a little bit. However, I do also completely appreciate that this is after them hearing one of their best friends frantically calling for his mum and saying how cold it is and how dark it is and that yeah. he wants to go home. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got this girl who, like you say, Lucas knows that she knows how to get there, and yet she has let them go around in circles all day. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. So I get his anger yeah. in that sense, but like you say, he does not have to be that harsh no, at I... all. And that's where the wanted to punch him in the face comes from, <laughs> is, listen, she's been through a lot of crap. Leave a poor girl alone. Honestly, it's so funny, isn't it, watching it as a parent? Because I didn't think it could change me that much. Yeah. But it does. Yes. Like, it, it gets you on a completely different level. Exactly, of that's heartbreak it. heartbreak. Yeah, because you just see them as children. Yeah. And they could be your child. And that's it. We don't have a daughter yet. But, like, the scene that we see of Elle in the in the bath and when she's screaming to get out of that like my heart was just breaking yeah before we go away from the uh, scene of Lucas being yeeted in the kids terms um, <laughs> this like I said earlier is truly the first scene where we kind of see Mike I was going to say going crazy but properly defending Gal. Yeah. Like, to the point that, like I say, love makes you crazy. Yeah. And how we can try and hide the fact that there's something going on in his little mind for Al. Yeah. When he's 
literally shoving his best friend for her when, like he says, he's she's preventing them getting to Will. Yeah. And yet he's defending her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike, you've fallen, my friend. Yeah, I think it's it's a very complicated situation because he's definitely defending Elle in that moment, but I also think he's defending his friendship to Will because I yeah. think Lucas is kind of implying to him that you don't care about Will, you just care about her. Yeah, I think Lucas is hinting at, a, yeah, a bit of a, oh, yeah, you've got this new girl in your life, you suddenly don't give yeah crap about Will because suddenly there's this girl here that isn't weirded out by you. Yeah, that's it. And so he, he definitely is defending Elle, but he is also, I really do think he's angry because he's like, I do care about Will, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So I think it's like a mixture. And then obviously, Elle, bless her, you know, in in, in support of Elle, she does say stop it twice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. She tries to stop them, but uh, they ain't listening. Oh, so. she stops them all right. <laughs> she defends her boy all right. A bit too much, but... Uh... Just, just a tad. Just a little bit. <laughs> Oops. But like I was saying about the bath scene, because that kind of montages with that moment as well. Yeah. Because of Lucas calling her the monster. And... That made me think a bit, seeing it with fresh eyes after having seen season four. When she's in the void, you know, she has gone in there specifically to see this Russian agent, spy, or whoever he is. Yeah. She's specifically there to listen to him, and she stood next to him. She's concentrated on him. She's not even looking around for anything else. She's truly concentrating. And then we hear the noise of the demogorgon, and... It truly just made me think, is this on some level Henry slash Beckner watching her, you know, yeah. and yeah, almost maybe. being like, because that she's got like into the upside down at that point. No, no, sorry, not the upside down, the void. That's as close as she can get to him at the moment. Yeah, that and, used to be his space. Yeah. And it's like he's got eyes on that space kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I suppose... From the play, Skip, if you don't want spoilers, he said, you know, the void was his space and he could hear the thoughts of everyone around him. Yeah. And suddenly Elle's in the void as well. I'm sure that is going to ring alarm bells in his head. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's going to know straight away that she's there. Yeah. So... He's going to know there's like a presence, a disturbance in the force, if you will. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, spot on. Um, So, yeah, I imagine... That is him sort of being like, well, either coming to investigate or, yeah, saying, excuse me, I'm watching you. Yeah. yeah. Hello there, Elle. Hello it's been there. a while. <laughs> yeah. Eleven. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I like to think it's linked, even if it's not. <laughs> I think... It, At least it makes sense. It fully makes sense, and it makes more sense than her accidentally finding a demagogue. Because, like you say... When she's in the void finding someone, she is focused on one person. Yeah. And yeah, in season two and onwards, her ability to watch someone sort of spreads to their surroundings. She gets better at observing their surroundings as well as the person. But this younger version of Elle, still getting used to her powers, she's very tunnel vision towards the person and nothing else yeah definitely so then for something else to suddenly distract her from in the void yeah i don't think that's accidental no i don't yeah it makes full sense in my mind 
for that to be Henry pushing a little warning at her. Yeah, saying, keeping tabs in a way. Yeah, if anything, yeah, like that, or just threatening, saying, yeah, you're coming in here, watch out. And that's it, because, not to skip too forward, but in season three, when she sees, well, I was going to say Billy in the void, but it's not really Billy, I, you know, it is for all intents and purposes, Henry, it's the same situation again where he takes over the space. Yeah. Because she's thinking, you can't hurt me here, but he absolutely terrifies her. Yeah. You know, so it's quite a similar situation again where he uses that space to torment her. Um, So, yeah, so that's all very exciting and just, oh, just makes you think about season five and everything that they could possibly do. Honestly, I can't Ooh, wait. <laughs> I can't wait, but obviously we don't want to rush it either. <laughs> no, no. I want mean, it to be perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's it. In terms of obviously not wanting it to end, it has to end sometimes. So if season five was ready right now, I'd be diving straight in. Oh, God. But yeah, we never want it to end. No, definitely not. And obviously... With that scene in the junkyard, Elle runs off. Yeah. So that's kind of where we've left their story at the moment, which is very sad, you know, because it's only probably minutes after asking her why she did that, why she threw Lucas, that she's ran off for Mike and Dustin to even notice that she's gone. Yeah. It's only minutes, really, you know, and I wish she could hear them calling for her. Yeah. It's it's just sad. It is. And I'm just relieved that later on, obviously, she does come back. Yeah. And... In an epic scene, which I can't wait for. Oh, Which, yeah. pretty confident, is in the next episode, so... I believe it has to be, that'll surely. That'll be brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. That's it. It just... That episode really just shows how epic she is. Yeah, definitely. Well, truly. So, I mean, the next point, really, is to focus in on Hopper. So, obviously, like we said... He'd gone to the lab and they they literally, I, I can't think of the word really, but they put his lights out <laughs> with, yeah. with a needle by the look of it. Yeah, they knock him right out. Yeah, and um, and then the next we see him, he's woken up, he's a sweaty mess, he's, yeah. he's in his house. And my first thought was, have they tried to kill him like and make it look like an overdose because all those pills are spilled out on the table there's empty cans of alcohol and bottles so my first thought is they've tried to kill him and they've kind of been like well if he doesn't die let's let's at least bug the house yeah and i yeah i wonder if they were uh, maybe maybe yeah trying not being so forceful on it but being like oh well if he dies from this, you can believe this guy's got drunk and just popped a load of pills. Yeah. And to be fair, yeah, I'm pretty sure Hawkins would believe that. I think they the would. state of Hopper. Especially after the death of Will. Yeah. Because they'd be like, oh, he's felt guilty, you know. He's felt guilty. It's brought back demons from yeah. Sarah. It literally sets itself up, doesn't it? It does. It really does. They would have had the perfect alibi Yeah. for Hopper doing but, that. But lucky for us, Hopper is strong and... He fought through whatever they planned for him there. Yeah. But you you like the scene, don't you, where he's trying to find the bugging yeah. um, device. Yeah, because that's it. He starts with lights. Mm. Straight away, he checks lights above the mirror, checks a few of the ceiling lights, and then for some reason doesn't check them all 
before he wrecks the house. <laughs> and yeah, like you say, we wouldn't get that hilarious scene of him absolutely trashing the place. Yeah. And I'm I'm pretty sure in some like interviews they did say that I'm sure Har- um, David Harbour himself said that the directors mm. um, just said, right, the cameras are rolling, go. <laughs> Destroy it. Just pick whatever you want, trash it. It is funny because he does all of that and then at the end he looks up at that light and he's like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> it. He doesn't really pull a face, but you can sort of hear it in his head. You can imagine the words being like, was that there this whole time? <laughs> and of course it's in there. But like I said, to, to be fair to him, it's not like your typical light. It's like almost completely flat. So, so it's quite high up from the others, yeah, yeah, so it's kind of out of the way. And then, yeah, obviously after that, he's then knocking on the door at uh, the buyers. She thinks it's Lonnie trying to get back in. Yeah, because she's ditched Lonnie now, thankfully. Yeah. Because she knows he wasn't there for Will. He was there for the money. Of course. Of course. More beers, I'm sure. Yeah, so but... he's gone. He slung his hook. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's hope for that. <laughs> but literally, Joyce is like, I'm going to murder you, Lonnie. Yeah, she's and then, got like yeah. a little axe, <laughs> and I'm sure she was ready to use it. Yeah, I would not put it past her, <laughs> but yeah, Hopper walks in. It's a scene from Love, actually, <laughs> with the uh, with the sign. With the sign, don't say anything. Walks in. He's like, right, let's find the bug. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure his words literally are, "Oh God," or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's such a. It just makes me laugh because I love how they get so many different people's reactions to the lights. Yeah. In this series. <laughs> yeah, that's it. First, there's Karen, then Jonathan, obviously. Yeah. We've got Lonnie, and now we've got um, Hopper. Hopper. Yeah. I know at some point we'll get Nancy and I think Steve maybe. Yeah, but, um, they'll walk into it. Yeah, it is so funny. But it's such a jubilant scene for um, Joyce because finally, finally, mm-hmm. someone is saying to her, "I, you were right. Yeah, someone is finally, finally breaking that tension for her. Yeah, that she's the... going crazy because I'm sure she's fought it. I'm sure she's starting to believe it at this point. There's a few moments where Lonnie's saying it and she just gives up arguing. She does. And I I'm think sure. if enough people have told you, yeah, you and might that's start it. You would it. start believing that because that's it. You've you've lost your kid. Yeah. What, what is there now in life? Yeah. Oh, sorry, people from my phone going off there. God How damn it. very unprofessional God of me. Da- you're fired. <laughs> you're just going to talk to yourself for the rest of the podcast i've got enough voices in my head to do that <laughs> you just got to bring them out to the microphone that'd make for a fun episode <laughs> basically you'd be impersonating joyce like we're saying right now i've got enough accents too oh god <laughs> enjoy that episode people maybe when i've had the baby that's what you can be doing <laughs> yeah while well, you're in a coma yeah in a coma well you're gonna be you mean asleep you mean sleep deprivation Yes. Knocked out. Passed out. I'm speaking out. of coma. My well, God. I've been nudging you like, wake up, we've got podcasts to do, and you're just like... No. No. Closed. Closed. 
people won't get that reference. That is a British reference to Too the show. Bad. Too bad. It's an inside joke. Come fly with me. It was program. an inside joke. <laughs> you got to give context. No. <laughs> Let them suffer. <laughs> yeah, but they're still not going to know what come fly with me is unless they go Google it. Go Google it. <laughs> it was a comedy show, people. But anyway, we've gone completely off track. As always. As always. So, yeah, what we were saying before my phone interrupted us God was damn. that, yes, Joyce finally has someone believing her. You know, Hopper's told her that the body was fake, just as she had thought. And you can kind of see the relief in her face. Massively, Not I think. A bit of shock, obviously, of, oh, my God, it yeah. was fake, and this is Hopper saying this Yeah, now. yeah. Um, not only another person, but the chief of police. Yes. Saying these words. You know, he went and saw the body. He saw for himself. He knows 100% it's a dummy. It's yeah. fake. Yeah, But yeah, I truly believe there's a sense of that relief in her face for sure. Because she's known this all along. She didn't have the guts to go cut it open. No, Of no. course not. But she knew from the moment she didn't see that birthmark, I'm guessing... Yeah. That that body was a fake, and finally she's got that reassurance. Yeah. So. But I honestly yeah. think as well, it is that relief of, I don't think she was ever a hundred percent. Could you truly be a hundred percent sure when everyone's telling you you're wrong? You know. Exactly, like you say, I'm sure you would be a hundred percent sure that your kid is missing a birthmark. But we don't know, he might show her. We we just don't see that bit of the scene. No, but the way she asks for it and then bursts out, it kind of implies that it was missing. Yeah, bursts out the rain and stuff. Yeah, with uh, poor old Sean Levy chasing her. Yeah. I'm sure that that fully implies that it was missing. Yeah. You know, I treat that as canon in my mind. Maybe, or or it just didn't look right or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's it, it would be such an easy detail to miss. They didn't have yeah. Will's body there to copy. Yeah. So to be fair, the fact that they copied it that well is amazing. Yeah. I mean, they could have they could have come up with anything, couldn't they, saying something about the skin kind of transparency from it being in the water. It's not going to show the birthmark or... Not that yeah. I know any of this stuff, people. <laughs> exactly. But I just assume from, from watching enough true crime... That when the body's been in the water, it it does distort things. Yeah. So e- even with that, I mean, she still, you know, is like, absolutely not. That's not my child. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but I can't say she would have been 100%. I really don't think so. Because of what she says to Lonnie, even, you know, I'll keep these lights up till the day I die if I think there's a chance that Will is yeah. out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get you. And at the same time, I'm sure again she's sort of hinting the fact that nobody believes her um but she's willing to believe herself yeah. the entire way cuz you know it's kind of like saying i will keep these up until he's back but for all she knows she might never get him back and she's just keeping the lights up forever yeah yeah which you would oh definitely but yeah so i'm so happy for her that finally after all of these episodes and especially with Jonathan knowing some stuff now, Nancy knowing some stuff, that finally she's in the know a little bit. Exactly. She's finally been brought up to date with the fact that she's not going crazy and people are moving. And it gives her renewed purpose that yeah. we obviously see in the episodes to come. Yeah, exactly. That's it. She's now no, lo- 
no longer debating whether she's right. She's not waiting for a gate to just appear now. She's dead set on getting him out of there now. Definitely. Because she knows full well that she's not going crazy. He was in a wall. He has been talking to her through the lights. Yeah. Let's go. Let's get my boy back. Absolutely. And this is it. It's this episode, like I was saying at the beginning, so much is happening and it sets up all these stories. Because, you know, so far we've got what's going to be set up with with the party, with the boys and Elle. And we've got this new storyline now of Joyce and Hopper and what they're going to find. And then, of course, like we go to Jonathan and Nancy. Yeah, I think this episode truly kickstarts the action. Yeah, definitely. This is the action phase starting now. Yeah, definitely. And with Jonathan and Nancy, obviously, they're the final scenes of the episode. And they are in the woods. They are looking for... Well, they don't know what creature they're looking for, but we know they're looking for the Demogorgon. And um, we say it always makes us laugh that everyone always calls... The bat, you know, Steve's bat. It's it's Steve's. It's not Steve's. No. It's Nancy's bat. It's Nancy's bat and the nails are Jonathan's. Yeah, that Jonathan puts the nails into Steve it. Steve just stole it. Steve just it. stole it and he kept st- it in his boot. Yeah. <laughs> he just stole it and, yeah, he's the true kidnapper in this season. <laughs> he literally, give the bat back. <laughs> yeah. Although saying that, Nancy does not need the bat because... She is really good with the gun. She's a sharpshooter. Yeah, you she know, is. She's dead on. She is. She's really good. And um, and she lets that shine in the future seasons. Oh, doesn't she just... <laughs> doesn't she just... It, my little frustration sigh then was that it wasn't enough to uh, get rid of Vecna, but... No. What would season five be then? Exactly. Damage control. Nothing else. Or it'd just be like one of my fan fictions, a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. I'd be, well, we'd all be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, she has, yeah, she's got a brilliant shot. And then, obviously, they're in the woods. Nancy goes through that tree. I've got to say, I don't think I would. <laughs> no, I mean, she did try calling Jonathan and... God knows where he is at that point. Yeah, and at the same time, I wonder if it's anything like... It, it made me think of the scene when Hopper is first investigating the Byers house in like episode two right, or something and he walks into the shed yeah yeah and Callahan comes up saying that he's been calling for him right but yeah but he didn't hear a word no he didn't so I wonder if whenever there's like a gate nearby or at least remnants of one if it <sighs> You know, in season four, when Vecna's grabbed your mind, yeah, your eyes are glazed over and you're unconscious nearly. Yeah. I wonder if it kind of does that without the unconsciousness and eyes glazing over side of things. I wonder if it completely zones your mind out yeah. of the real world and you're sort of mentally in the upside down. You very much could be onto something there, definitely, because... Yeah, Jonathan does not seem to hear her at all. No. And it's, yeah, it's like her physical body is still in our world at the moment, in Hawkins. But, yeah, it's like everything else is zoning into the Upside Down now. As It's almost like, ironically, like a magnet, and it's about to draw her in. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. I wonder if that's a bit of Vecna basically just playing with her mind. Yeah. So she thinks she's calling out, but she's just completely silent. But instead of being glazed over and completely still, she's just crawling in the upside down like a sheep. Yeah. 
Lamb to the slaughter. That's what I was after. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? That is a really good point. And that is a way I'd never thought about it before. But no, I think you're right. Because, yeah, because then, obviously, Jonathan does hear her scream. Um, and it could be that he is starting to be pulled in at that point as well, possibly. Either he's being pulled in or she's broke out. Yeah. Obviously, she's now in the Upside Down for real. Yeah. But maybe the sight of the Demogorgon and being like, oh, God, I'm about to die. Yeah, yeah. Is enough to break Fight her out Fight or of flight. That. Exactly <laughs> that. You know, she literally drops the torch and is bolting out of there. Yeah. But straight away, we get the sense... I know it makes a little crackle noise, but she steps on a vine, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah. So it's straight away... And it knows that. It's yeah. all connected already. It's straight away hinting at all of that. You know, we truly see that mainly in season four, that they've yes. got to avoid all the vines or tell Henry where they are. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of hints at that straight away. Again, I know it makes a crackle noise, you know, it's like stepping on a branch yeah, and alerting it where you are, but the way it reacts and turns immediately and knows someone's there yes. hints straight away at the fact that she stepped on a vine and it, it felt it. Yes, definitely. It is. It's, it's really fascinating, isn't it? Because sometimes you don't think season one could have really any connection to season four no. where they've took the story but they have done their research in that sense they have yeah they've kept a took good things few, through yeah they've kept a good few things linked together yeah and again you know who knows how much they had planned at this point because no. they didn't think it was going to go beyond season one but, but but you'd like to think when you're creating a story like we all kind of know how we want our stories to end yeah. Sometimes we might not know the middle bits, but we know where that story's going to go to. Yeah, I find a lot of writers say that, don't they? That yeah. you get the start, you get the end, and then whatever happens in the middle just happens. Yeah. And So it very yeah. much could be that they had always intended a Vecna kind of character. Maybe. You yeah, know, but that's... they just needed to get there. Yeah, and that's it. Who knows if the whole hive mind and vine situation was always planned or if that's just something that they looked at season one and went like, yeah, we can use that. Yeah. I, I think maybe the hive mind, only because they do use it in season two. And that's, you know, not too... It's not like going from like a season one to a season four change. It's only one season. So yeah. I think that was probably potentially already in mind. I think they properly started planning it out once season two started. Yeah, yeah. And I know at first it seems like the mind flare is its own entity. It's the big boss. Um, but again, who knows which one the big boss is? Like That's you say, it. we st- we do see Henry um, manipulating the mind flare into what he wants it to be. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe the consciousness of it is controlling him, and just letting him think he's in control. Yeah. That's it. A spoiler for the play again. In three, two, one, is that the mind flare starts off by manipulating Henry. Well, we don't know if it's the Henry. Mind Oh, it's got to be. It's, but it's, it's voices in his head. It's, it's everything. smoke. It does hold that shape yeah. of a giant S word that you don't like. Yeah. And it's released from a box, a part of it, and clearly goes into him. Yeah. So it would make sense... The mind flare being like the consciousness that overtakes him. Yeah. And then, yeah, it sort of reveals it. Well, 
I mean, for all we know, the Mind Flare and the dust particles that he controls might be two different things. Possibly, but I I don't think so. I, I think that would be a waste of time almost if they did that. Maybe. But I honestly think if in season two, Elle has the strength to close the gate in front of the Mind Flayer, then Henry most certainly has the strength to take control of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I know closing that gate took everything out of her, mm. but... Yeah, that's But Henry's it. had a lot of practice by this point. Oh, you know? Henry's had a lot more practice than Elle, that's it. She, He's a lot more powerful than her at this point. Yeah. I definitely think they're getting close. Yeah. You know, she's ready to kick some ass. And kind of a little bit of a Harry Potter reference, but they remind me in a way of Elle being Harry Potter and um, Vecna being Voldemort, where he literally says, you know, he's taken magic further than anyone thought was possible which yeah. is one of the reasons like why he's so twisted and so unhuman now and very much like Vecna yeah so that's it I think Elle's got it within her but she doesn't choose to do yeah the things she doesn't he has let done. it overpower her she controls it rather than it controlling her yeah exactly because it's literally took over Vecna completely like he's vines he's all sorts well yeah back onto this play Skip ahead. Um, <laughs> you, you literally see that happen in the play where he is trying to fight it, but eventually it's like he doesn't have the strength anymore. Yeah. It's gotten way too strong in his mind and it's taken over. And like I'm sure we've said before, he does not have the support that L has. No. And I think I've heard... Not quite rumours, but I'm sure I've heard stories that apparently they are going with the story of love being the true winner. That's very Harry Potterish as well. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm sure I've heard that from official, like, from actors. Yeah. Saying that, you know, this is going to be love winning out against hate. I sure hope so. And I mean, that kind of shows through in season four. I mean, I mean, bless her. I know Max is not in a good condition right now at all. But with Max, she literally was hiding in her happy memories. Yeah. And that's what kept her going so far. It's been hinting at this since season two as well. Because obviously, first Brenner is telling her to use bad memories or whatever. Yeah. Then Carly is telling her to use all of her angry memories. And, I mean, it gets her moving the big train. Yeah. But when she's closing the gate, she's thinking of how much she loves everyone in her life now. It's the idea that she wants to protect them. Yeah, exactly. That's it. She's got all these people who love her, and she loves them, and she has to protect them. Yeah. And so, again, that's love beating hate. And... You know, she, like you say, she's holding back the mind flare. Yeah. While closing the gate. While levitating. While, like I say, that's probably accidental, but uh, yeah. you know, you're still lifting yourself up as well, regardless yeah. of whether it's accidental or not. And then there's all that. And then season three as well, she turns Billy completely around. She manages to break him out of Henry's control Yeah. for a bit through reminding him of his mother and all that and then yeah season four 
we have Mike's big um, monologue. Yeah, that saves that her. S- literally saves all of their lives. Literally gives her the strength and the power to get out of the bind. Yeah, and it ties right into what David Harbour has been hinting at. That he knows how the show ends and it is beautiful, in yeah. his own words. So, I truly think that's where they're going with this. I sure hope so, and I won't be able to rest until I know that is the case. <laughs> I know, exactly, that's it. Like we say, we don't want it to end, but we need it right now. Yeah, because I, I just don't trust them after they uh, said season three was the summer of love. Like, yeah. I know I've mentioned this before, but I, I remember I made an edit of the amount of them that had said in interviews, it's the summer of love, it's the summer of love. And then it was like... I dump your ass. Five seconds later, or one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I dump your ass. I, they literally had like one episode of the summer of love and then it all went downhill. Yeah. So I was exactly. like, how dare you? <laughs> literally. You lied. You lie. <laughs> Friends, don't lie. You Duffer are brothers. Like Papa. <laughs> so yeah, so that's made me a bit nervous. But I, I'm sure, because this is the end of Elle's story and pretty much probably most of the main characters, yeah, we deserve and we need a happy ending. Well, we deserve it, but my God, she and they deserve it. Definitely. After everything they've been through, if, if all of this is just for her to go and die, then... Yeah. Yeah. Where's my pitchfork? Well, as you know, like, one of mine major theories for season five is time travel yeah i think a lot of people are going for that but yeah yeah like this one of my theories is time travel and one of the notes that i made from this episode was you know with mr clark if they if the boys Hmm. don't go to mr clark about time travel in season five I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. If there's no conversation of him saying, right, you need to find a DeLorean, you need to <laughs> shove a flux capacitor into the boot, and you need to hit 88 miles per hour while generating 1.21 gigawatts, <laughs> what is even the point what of this show? What is the point? Because they've said it's going to be like season one. I want that scene where they're literally knocking on his door, or maybe they bring him to that radio station they seem to have took over... And they're like, Mr. Clark, we need you to tell us about time travel. And then he's going to be like, is this for a project? Or <laughs> Can't you see that Hawkins is like Literally the ground apart? is cracking. And, and then they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, no, we need to know. And then he's going to be just like he is in season one. A big can't, kid. Can't help himself. Yeah. And he's like, well, <laughs> let me get out my paper plate. And then he's going to look at how close Mike Canella are and he's going to be like, isn't that your cousin from Sweden? Do you know what? From a teacher perspective, if he actually remembers her, it's when she looks very different now as well, I'll be surprised. <laughs> well, yeah. Is she going to be bold or are they going to throw another wig on her? I don't know. I suppose it depends if there's a time jump or not, doesn't it? it yeah, exactly. But as you know, I'm not keen on a time jump because, in my opinion... You know, Vecna has been massively weakened. Why on earth would you let him rebuild himself? Exactly. You and go know, in, you strike while the iron's hot. Exactly. And I know to a point they have to rebuild as well. Yeah. You know, they're all yes. exhausted. They've all been to the upside down and back. But, yeah, it exactly like you say, you've got to 
kick him while he's down. Definitely. If you let him rebuild, then you're just asking him to kill you. Also, we don't really know where Max is in the in the mental aspect, where she's hiding, where she is, if she's even with us, bless her. Yeah. So don't leave, don't please don't like leave her hiding somewhere. Exactly. You know? That's it. We literally don't know if she is anywhere in consciousness or if she's genuinely brain dead and it's just a heart beating for no reason. I know. I mean, that would be a terrible aspect of the story, wouldn't it? Unless. It would unless we have time travel yeah and we managed to get back before poor max is almost killed or yeah. well let's be honest she was killed. she is killed she is killed and then l just restarts her heart yeah and that's it like i say i just hope that her brain isn't dead yeah but i i'm i'm very confident on the time travel just with everything with the clock chiming so much about yeah. time and I think that's going to be probably the only way to be able to get him. It makes sense. You know, the clock chiming, like you say, but the upside down being frozen. Well, the thing is, I don't think it's frozen in time. It just made the copy in 1983 and then nobody's there to change anything. There's but got to just... be something about that, like yeah. we said before. But they'll explore it in season five if there is. At the end of the day, Nancy's brought it up for a reason. Exactly. I exactly, doubt they'll waste yeah. that. No, I doubt it. Either way... We need it now. We do, but I'm also not ready. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. I, I need it on that TV right this second. I can't do it. I don't want it to end. I don't want it to end, but I need it right now. But really, it's very late. <laughs> right here. Right now. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Well, what I need is some sleep. And yeah. here in the UK, it is now past midnight... So we best get going. It's past midnight with a child who does not sleep. Yes. Help oh my us. goodness. That's exactly why you don't want season five right now. You want it in like a year when both our children are sleeping through. Or we can just put them in nursery and spend the day watching Stranger Things. I'm throwing them at your mother. <laughs> I don't care if it's three minutes past midnight. <laughs> There's an emergency, Mum. What is it? What is it? We've got to watch Stranger Things. It's just dead. What? Do you know Are you what? kidding me? Yep. Yeah. Bye, 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 bye. Do you know what? To be fair, my mum knows how much it means to us, so she'd probably just roll the eyes and take Carrie and let us go. She's good like that. She is good like that. <laughs> right, well, we best get going. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank you very much indeed for putting up with our honestly insane antics. Yeah. Again. We ramble and we ramble more when we're tired and today's been a tired one. <laughs> Honestly, I was looking at the counter earlier thinking, oh yeah, this is a 15 minute episode. We're flying through these notes. We're nearly at an hour. Uh-oh. Sorry, people. Oops. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you soon. Yep. See you next Monday. See you Monday. Bye. Bye-bye.